It all began at the height of the Syrian refugee crisis in 2015. Two women found themselves at a loss in how to support families whose needs were overwhelming and constantly changing, and it was growing ever difficult to keep track of it all. The traditional humanitarian aid model was obviously not working. So, leveraging the model of a wedding registry, the two found a new way to effectively and efficiently communicate needs in real time. And Needs List was born. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Natasha Friedis of Needs List, an organization that provides human-centered solutions for communities displaced by climate change, conflict, and poverty worldwide. In our conversation, Natasha discusses the impact of their wedding registry for humanitarian aid and why she felt the need to develop a new online platform that matches urgent needs with offers in real time. She then shares how the new tools are helping get needs on the ground met more quickly and efficiently toward better outcomes. Give us a bit of a, a, a backstory on how it got started. What prompted you to launch Needs List? So I always say that I'm somewhat of an accidental startup founder. <laughs> I think a lot of people start are in the mood to, to create a startup, um, yeah. whereas I really fell into this by way of facing the problem personally, which is I was actually living in Europe. I was in France with my family in 2015, right at the height of the refugee crisis in Europe. And I've been working uh, with refugees and migrants for a lot of my career, so I was looking for a way to get involved uh, locally, and a number of us were supporting a group of Syrian refugees who were living nearby, and it was really um, the height of chaos, and I, I just couldn't believe that there weren't any tools to manage the needs of the families we were supporting, so, you know, really just... Um, for example, we had families that needed diapers, somebody needed a ride to the doctor, someone needed translation, everybody needed money. And at the same time, there was this huge outpouring of goodwill in 2015. So people wanted to help. Right. But they kept dropping off supplies that were totally inappropriate. And even if they were appropriate, by the time um, we just ended up with a lot of redundancy. So I just had, I come from a tech background. I was looking for better ways to communicate needs in real time. I couldn't find anything. And so I ended up using a wedding registry. And that's really where the idea of Needs List was born, is just having a simple place that people who wanted the help could go to find out what was actually needed. And of course, as um, as I got more involved and learned more about the humanitarian aid sector, crisis relief, disaster relief, I realized that this was way beyond um, what a, a small group of people who were trying to help at the local basis needed. That in fact, like globally, there are no good tools to understand what's needed on the ground in real time. And that creates massive inefficiency and waste. Uh, and so, and and so today is the iteration that we see of Needs List currently. Is that the did it go through a few iterations? The one that we see today did it has it evolved at all since you started it? And yet this was what 2015? You said it's it's kind of it's still new, very new. Yeah, we got started officially in 2016, and um, we've definitely, like any good startup, gone through a couple iterations and pivots. So, actually, what we ended up. Um, 
starting at first was this idea of posting needs for individual donors. And after the first year or so, even though people loved the idea, like actually what we were doing was allowing people to buy specific supplies. Right. Um, people loved that idea, but we just found it was really challenging to scale. And at the same time, we found that there were just so many companies and actually larger NGOs that had surplus supplies and they didn't know what was needed. So that, so that's what our current platform does. Our mm -hmm. software really is allows organizations or companies to post offers and local organizations on the ground to post their needs and it matches them in real time. So, okay, so who puts yeah. the offer? Sorry, just to be clear. So who puts, so both two sides. So the people that need and people that have basically. Right, exactly. And actually, our model is really fluid. So we understand that um, anybody can have needs and anybody could have offers. And a lot of it depends on the time. So for example, right. a local organization working um, on a post disaster, for example, we worked a lot in um, in the Bahamas after Hurricane Durian. So local organizations on the ground were posting what they needed, things like water filters and buckets and um, uh, healthcare supplies. And at the same time, companies could post offers or other NGOs could post offers. Mm -hmm. Because what we see is oftentimes in crisis response, one organization will have um, surplus in their warehouse right. and they won't even know who where it's needed. So our very first uh, pilots of Needsless were on Gre in Greece okay. and we were working um, a lot on the island of Lesbos where there were a number of organizations supporting refugees. And one of them posted that they were looking for a defibrillator mm -hmm. and another organization across the island said, hey, we've got one sitting in our warehouse. We'll drop it off this afternoon. And it was absolutely like mind shattering for me. <laughs> like instead of this organization raising a couple thousand dollars and getting a chip from abroad, yeah. they had it within 24 hours. Wow. Um, and so that's what we've really seen is it's it's actually not just companies donating. Sometimes um, companies have needs as well. So for right. example, after the fires here in Toronto last summer, mm -hmm. um, I was on a Facebook group where a local business was saying like, hey, we're looking for office space. We just got you know, we're, we've been ousted from our building because of these fires. And another startup said, hey, we've got extra desks, come right over. So we're really looking to make a model that is as flexible as possible and really understanding that it can be peer to peer support. And there are times when we all have needs and there's times when we have something to give. And what if technology could help connect those? Got it. And so it's gone beyond, it seems to me, the, the, the needs of refugees specifically to the needs of a lot of people, right, to the, the ad hoc needs that may come up? Or how would you define that mission right now? Yeah. So uh, as you said, um, our, we got started really focused on refugees. Right. And pretty quickly, we had organizations using our tools saying um, that we're actually based in Northern California during the wildfires of 2018 mm -hmm. and in Texas. And they said, hey, um, can we use Needs List for this disaster relief? And we said, uh, sure, try it out. Um, so I'd say our our sweet spot has really evolved to crisis more broadly defined. Okay. Um, and especially as we look at the impact of climate change on displacement, it's actually a much grayer area um, than it used to be. And my thinking about this has really changed over the last couple of years. So we're looking at up to a billion people being displaced by conflict or climate change by the year 2050. Wow. And the reality is, our, you know, our current systems just can't keep up with that pace. So that that is ultimately your um, the challenges out there and and how you know, how needsless is going to is going to tackle those. 
Yeah, so I think that's exactly right. The bigger picture is that we have an aid system that just can't keep up with the pace of the demand. And the second piece of that is that um, our current system just is not is is really riddled with inefficiency and waste. Right. So we want to keep we're looking to create a solution that is much more sustainable, that's tech enabled, that addresses these issues of inefficiency and can really scale much more rapidly than our current system. Okay, got it. And just just a question of your business model. Um, so actually what we're doing right now is white labeling and selling a license to the software to other what we're calling intermediaries. So those can be uh, the public sector, multi um, multilateral agencies or others that are working to coordinate these needs and offers. So we offer them a branded version of needs list that they can use um, on the ground and oh. coordinating the response. Okay, okay. But as it stands now, if let's say um, an organization posts that they need something during a crisis and someone has, uh, let's say a company like you or, or whoever, like you said before, the example has uh, what they need they just provide that um right there's no charge for that no charge for that yeah. okay okay well, just... we also charge um there are a lot of companies that are really looking for better ways to innovate their crisis response tools mm -hmm. and engage their employees so we do charge companies as well for design workshops and consulting as well as curated lists of specific ways that their employees can help okay got it um are you based Particular, like you, you mentioned a few different geographical regions where you were working. Um, so it seems to me that you're you're kind of go where you're needed. But um, do you have a particular uh, location where where you're most focused? We've been going where the needs are and where we have partners that are interested in in using the tools. So um, we actually started off in Europe, really focused on the refugee crisis, and then a lot of our work over the last couple of years has been uh, hurricane and wildfire relief in the states and beyond as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, any other examples? One turning point for us was this past fall when we got a call from USAID, actually, that they were looking for a better way to engage the private sector around their response to Hurricane Durian in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So they were, you know, whenever there's a huge disaster like this, um, you know, the public sector gets flooded with calls from companies who want to help, and they actually don't have a really good way of matching those. So they deployed needs list in partnership with us in the Bahamas. And that meant that instead of these companies sending supplies and having these supplies clogging the runway, yeah. actually uh, the supplies were all really nicely organized and tagged in the database and matched as the needs came in. Amazing. So it makes for a much uh, stronger, more efficient response. And it's true because you the one of the biggest complaints during these a lot of very generous and well-meaning, well-intended uh, organizations and people, but often there's an, a high you hear about high inefficiencies in terms of you know making that match and, and making sure it's everything is uh, according to uh, plan, <laughs> so to speak. Exactly, right? exactly. We're actually about to publish a blog about which cites some of the figures from the wildfires in Australia where, you know, the local government had to say, please stop sending us stuff, you know, exactly. so it's well, it comes with well intentioned, but you know, it's just often not needed in the first place or right. at the wrong time, wrong size, not culturally appropriate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Um, so if let's say you, you, you know, this is still young, you guys are still, uh, mm -hmm. figuring it out, but I'm just wondering, do you have a vision moving forward? I'll say five, 10 year plan. Is there anything that you foresee or is that uh, way too difficult to <laughs> anticipate at this point? What, what would, what would you say? 
Well, we really see ourselves as part of a growing movement to really transform our existing aid but I'm going to say aid industry because it really is an aid industry. Yeah. So, you know, our vision is grounded in, in some core principles we've developed over the last few years mm-hmm. on that aid could be collaborative, uh, locally driven, sustainable and provided with dignity. So we're looking to transform the system to one that embodies these values. And we are not trying to do it alone. It's a it's a huge part of our work to look for partners across sectors. Um, I think this is a challenge that's going to require a multi-sector response as well. Yeah, from what I anecdotally hear about it, it's uh, the multi-sectoral approach to these types of challenges is probably uh, ideal. Whether that can, you know, is that an easy thing to do? No, but uh, but are you already working on that? Yeah, so we've actually have a number of partners that are, you know, that range from small nonprofit grassroots organizations to large NGOs to local government to um, big companies to um, national government. So we're on our way. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. What about... Um... Uh, lessons learned we always like to hear about and I know it's still early like I keep saying but uh, you know there might be some stuff you've you've uh, you picked up and any advice you would offer others um, whether working specifically in the work you're doing or just generally speaking in the the world that we'd like to call social entrepreneurship social impact anything that you would offer yeah, I mean, I think one thing that has been pretty key to our success, Elisa, is that um, my co-founder Amanda and I are both really good at asking for help when we need it. You know, so we came into this work really understanding the problem, having certain skills that we brought to it. Um, but I had never run a startup before. You know, I had never, um, I had never spoken with an investor before. There was all kinds of aspects to the work that I've had a very steep learning curve on. And I've had really tremendous mentors along the way. Um, and just really reaching out and asking folks for, you know, specific advice, both around longer term strategy, but also um, not being afraid to ask people to get in the weeds with you a little bit and mm-hmm. say, Hey, can you, can you look at the spreadsheet for me or can you uh, just take a quick look at the design on this? You know, and so really tapping into networks has been pretty essential for us. Yeah. Um, I also think, unfortunately, in, in social entrepreneurship, oftentimes there's a, a bit too much competitiveness mm. uh, in a sense of competition. And I think uh, our approach has always been one of collaboration and partnership. And so really seeing that we all can lift each other, the pie can grow bigger. Um, so I think that would be a word for of advice for other social entrepreneurs as well. You know, not to be a gatekeeper, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I've I've heard that before. So, <laughs> um, so yes, I think that's that's great, um, great advice. Um, so hopefully the people will heed that advice. That would be nice. What has been what has been your impact so far? So we got started just over three years ago, as I said, and in the past three years, uh, we've had over a hundred thousand needs met through our platform, which represents over two million U.S. dollars in resources to local communities. Wow! And so that's been really exciting. Um, and I think you were asking about geography. So yeah. we're we've been deployed in over twenty countries now too. So that's exciting. We've got partners all over the world, over three hundred local partners in addition to some of the other um public and private sector partners as well. That's amazing. For such a young venture to you're growing pretty fast, no? I mean you've you're expanding and, and your impact is pretty far reaching at this point already. So I can only imagine what another few years where you'll be then. 
Well, we'll have to talk in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to it, and I will continue to watch your work. Um, it's uh, just, it's, it's really inspiring. So thank you for doing what you're doing, and thank you for speaking to us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Elisa. Thanks for the work you're doing as well. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.